Capaldi's Four Seasons means that it's time once again for this week's Senior Moments program. The Four Seasons theme mirrors our lives, and hopefully we'll all have many, many more seasons to enjoy. And as you know, we do this show on behalf of the Glen Cove Senior Center. Good morning, everyone. I'm Nina Held. And I'm Stuart Held. Senior Moments is here every Saturday at 11 in the morning. Keep us on your calendar to tune in. Now, today's show is with an author who has published nine books. Wow. And her latest one called The Heirs, that's H-E-I-R-S, The Heirs is her first novel and just recently hit the market. Now, Fran Hawthorne is very prolific. We look forward to discussing her books. Now, Stu has published three books, and we know how hard it is to find the right market and be successful. So we're going to learn how Fran Hawthorne does it and get an insight into her new book and first novel, The Heirs. But first, it's now time for our Wacky Word of the Week. Today's Wacky Word is Disremember. That's right. It really is a word. It was used by E.L. Doctorow in his book, Loon Lake, which was, I think, published around 1980. Here is the sentence. It was the British who did it, I said quickly. I disremember the place and time. It sounds like a hard word to it, say. It is. It really, really <laughs> is. Why make it more complicated? Now, English has been depending upon the word forget since before the 12th century. But in 1805, a new rival appeared in print, Disremember. A critic in 1869 called Disremember both obsolete and a low vulgarism. Excuse me. Yeah, and later, grammarians have agreed it has been labeled provincial and archaic. And in 1970, Harry Shaw opined that Disremember was an illiteracy adding, quote, never use the word in standard English. Now, the word forget is indeed a vastly more popular word, but disremember still turns up occasionally, often in dialectal or humorous contexts. Hmm. Look what you learned today. Yeah, don't diss me. Don't, I won't <laughs> diss you or disremember you. <laughs> disremember was today's Wacky, wacky word, word of the week. week. Every week we try to come up with a joke or fact or idiom that we want to share with you. It is now time for our Did You Know? You remember, you may remember the old Jewish Catskill comic, comic, comedians. Uh, it, it, it is something which I grew up with because every summer we would go to the Catskills. Of course, and I think most everybody in our audience has uh, has certainly a remembrance. I mean, everybody who's of our well, age. All the comedians really right. got started However, there. However, I have to point that out... That was the comedy clubs of today. Those were the comedy clubs. That's right, the Borscht Belt. However, let me just say this before you start because we have a disclaimer here, and that is realize that this was from another generation. So a lot of people might get insulted because, A, they're sexist. Well, also remember B, most of the comedians were men. And they were all men. And, it, you know, the, the, the recent comedians don't... The, the women, Ellen, I think it was Elaine Boozler or any of these other... They're today's comedians. They're... But this is from then. Well, we're talking about comedians like Shecky Green, Red Buttons, Tony Fields, Joey Bishop, Milton Berle, Jan Murray, Danny Kaye, Henny Yugman, Buddy Hackett, Sid Caesar, and so many more. One key fact that must be mentioned, there was not one single swear word in their comedy. So here we go. Yeah, right. All right, you ready? Ready. I just got back from a pleasure trip. I took my mother-in-law to the airport. <laughs> <laughs> I've been in oh you have to say yes, this I've one. I've <laughs> been in love with the same woman for 49 years. If my wife ever finds out she'll kill me. <laughs> Someone stole all my credit cards but I won't be reporting it. The thief spends less than my wife did. <laughs> we always hold hands. If I let go, she stops shops. <laughs> <laughs> my wife and I went to a hotel where we got a waterbed. My wife called it the Dead Sea. <laughs> <laughs> the doctor gave a man six months to live. 
The man couldn't pay his bill, so the doctor gave him another six months. <laughs> the doctor called Mrs. Cohen, saying, Mrs. Cohen, your check came back. Mrs. Cohen answered, so did my arthritis. <laughs> the doctor said, you'll live to be 60. The patient says, I am 60. The doctor says, see, what did I tell you? <laughs> <laughs> A man called his mother in Florida. Mom, how are you? Oh, not too good, said the mother. I've been very weak. The son said, why are you so weak? She said, because I haven't eaten in 38 days. The son said, that's terrible. Why haven't you eaten in 38 days? The mother answered, because I didn't want my mouth to be filled with food if you should call. <laughs> and I have to tell you, we do this. I do this with our oldest son, Mark, all the time. <laughs> he calls up and he says, so is your mouth full or empty? <laughs> but this one I love. A Jewish boy comes home from school and tells his mother he has a part in the play. She asks, what part is it? The boy says, I play the part of a Jewish husband. The mother scowls and says, go back and tell the teacher you want a speaking part. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I love these silly things. <laughs> so a short summary of every Jewish holiday. They tried to kill us. We won. Let's eat. <laughs> And now that Rosh Hashanah is coming up and Yom Kippur, we're going to be celebrating the high holy days. Well, yes. I couldn't resist these gems. They bring me back to my childhood in the Catskills, and it was a great, it was a lot of fun to look forward to, to these performers on the weekend. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and I mean, of course, whether you're in a hotel or a bungalow colony. Yeah, but even then, with the onset of television, with television becoming what it is, that's when Sid Caesar, that when Milton yeah. Berle, Danny Kaye, it was uh, it was an era that uh, that right. I think is greatly missed. Catskills comedy was today's. Did you know? And now to introduce our guest. Now, until now, Fran Hawthorne spent more than three decades writing award-winning nonfiction, including eight books, mainly about consumer activism and business social responsibility. For instance, her book *Ethical Chic*. The Inside Story of the Companies We Think We Love, published by Beacon Press, was named one of the best books of 2012 by Library Journal. In addition, she's been an editor and writer on the staff of Business Week, Fortune, and other newspapers and magazines. And she writes regularly for the New York Times, Newsday, and other publications, as well as book reviews for the New York Journal of Books. But Hawthorne has been writing fiction, privately, even longer than nonfiction. And now she's thrilled that her debut novel, The Heirs, has just been published by Stephen F. Austin State University Press. Uh, now, again, we're going to point out that the title of the book, The Heirs, is People Who Inherit Heirs, H-E-I-R-S. So, Fran Hawthorne, we are honored to have you. Welcome to Senior Moments. Heavy hitter. Yes, a real heavy hitter. Thank you. Thank you both so much for having me here. I appreciate it. Well, it's you schlepped all the way in from the city on from a Brooklyn, hot, it's hot not the city. It is. Oh, the city. wait, wait. We've got that to eighteen eighty something. Okay. It okay. is the city. Don't. My goodness. Anyway, uh, we're happy to have you here. Where, where were you brought up? Which age do you want? Um, <laughs> I was born in Philadelphia. We moved, uh, let me get this straight, to Playa del Rey, California, then back Ooh. to Pennsylvania, then to Lowell, Massachusetts, then to Lexington, Massachusetts, then wow. to Woodland Hills, California, then to Encino, California, then to Santa Monica, California. <gasps> Where do you make your home? Wow. Now? <laughs> Brooklyn. Well, that was, I mean, after that, I had several other places I lived as a grown up. My so, wow, that must have had some effect on you, all these moves. Um, yes, for good and for bad. Sure, sure. But, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm glad. I, I kind of, I love my son very much, and I'm glad he lives in Brooklyn, but I hope that he will go now that he's just turned 24. That's my shout-out. Hi, Joe. Um, <laughs> anyway, then I hope that he will live somewhere besides Brooklyn and just get a sense of, of living getting elsewhere. Getting a sense of the whole, yes, yes, getting the, the, whole, the whole world. Is, yeah. Yep, yeah. yep. 
Um, <clears throat> now, you've said that you've been writing novels since you were four years old. That's interesting, although The Heirs is the first one you've published. How is it that you spent several decades writing nonfiction, you know, as a newspaper and magazine reporter and editor, and then as the author of eight nonfiction books, you know, before you did The Heirs? Yeah, well, I got sidetracked in college. Uh, I was always, I was going to write novels and earn my living as an English teacher because I was smart enough even at the young age to know you don't earn a living writing novels. Oh, uh, yeah. And then I went to college, and one of my roommates said, well, you know, if you like writing, you should try out the school newspaper. I love that, if you like writing. Yes. You, that's what you're talking about. Right. <laughs> yes, well, that's what our roommate and, and I, oh, no, 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 I disdained. Uh, no offense to oh. any journalist out there. Oh, the school newspaper. It was hack writing. I was literary writing. Oh, you were, yeah. Nevertheless, you were above that. nevertheless, I went to my school newspaper. This was the University of California at Berkeley. Ah. And I went into the Daily Californian, the school newspaper. And they gave me an assignment, and I did it. And I loved it. I had a great time talking to people, writing. Uh, they promoted me quickly. I just had a great time and I got hooked wow, and I kept yeah. saying okay but I have to find time to write novels you know but uh, as with any starting job you're working you know 700 hours a week and I'm working writing you know journalism and okay. I just didn't have the time or energy or I had two more excuses than I had energy so I never kind of got back to fiction um, and just when I was getting a little played out with journalism uh, I got offered my first nonfiction book contract. So that was a whole new yeah. uh, way to, uh, you know, kind of launch another aspect of my writing career. So I did that for, um, oh gosh, how many years? I did 10 years or something. Uh, yeah. Five, you know. Yeah. Well, you well, have so I, much energy. I mean, I'm just, I mean, you take my breath away. <laughs> but, you know, I, I've written a few couple of, a few books, and I don't, can you make money at this? <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> Until my fiction, I was making money on a combination of the nonfiction books, um, some paid speeches that resulted from that, and freelance journalism, including writing for Newsday, okay. um, you know, writing for the New York Times. That was all freelance. Yeah. So um, you don't. How, how do you get to the New York Times and Newsday? Those, that's not an easy thing to do. I would. Think. I could say take the subway to Forty Second. <laughs> 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 she thinks she's Buddy Hackett. <laughs> Seriously. Um, I don't think you walk in the door. Yeah, of course not. You know, I had decades of yes. experience writing, you know, on the staff of Business Week, on Fortune, on the staff of Fortune. Yeah. Um, a newspaper in New Jersey that's very well respected called the Bergen Record. So, you know, you build oh. up and, um, and then you submit ideas. Yeah. And, I mean, I will say this connections. A friend of mine was freelancing for Newsday. And she introduced me to that particular editor who's no longer there of the Act Two section. Uh, um, yeah. Which I'd love to go into as soon as you're. <laughs> sure. Vince anyway, so thoughts. I'm just saying you do, it, networking helps, but you do need definitely yeah. use stuff to start it's at your local paper. 90% of who you yeah. know and 10% of what you know? <sighs> well, I think there's some talent in there, I hope, and some <laughs> hard work <laughs> and some luck. Yes. Now, luck is can, a lot. Can I point it. out, can I point out that when you were writing for Act 2, how did we come to know Fran Hawthorne? How come we got her here on the station? You called up to interview us. I sure did. Yes. There was an article I wrote yeah. for Newsday. Oh, gosh, I don't have the date memorized. Doesn't but matter. But it was about... Um, it was for Act Two, which is yes. for people sort of starting second lives after 40 or 50. And it was about launching a radio show after you've retired from your paying career. And indeed, you two were featured, as were uh, yes, well, many other shows. That, yeah. that we were so proud. I mean, oh. that was really a, a yeah, We sent it to major. our children all over the world. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm so glad that Well, that of course. Oh, very much. And, and I remembered was, your show. And you I thought that my book might be appropriate as well as my life story my book might be of interest to your listeners because it's about a holocaust survivor and it's about the next generation so we've got uh, two main characters are women uh, you know uh one woman in her 40s one in her 70s mm. uh and this woman in her 40s is a sandwich generation woman coping with her kids as well as her mother i don't want to get ahead of ourselves sure. because we have a bunch of pearls going on later on, uh, but uh, I just want to say one uh, one other thing. Are you still doing the writing for Newsday and for the Times and people like that? 
I have been for the past five years almost full time fiction, but ah. I I do you know plan to get back to the nonfiction, especially if I got some kind of really juicy idea for yeah. articles or books. So yeah, juicy ideas. Juicy ideas. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Yeah. Well, we have a little song over here that will take us pretty much to the end of this first section of the show, uh, and it is from the Rothschilds. It is the theme. Back every head held high For at last we're underway Founders of the famous financial firm Rothschild and Sons Jaws will drop when the world finds out What a step we took today Copenhagen's favorite banking house Rothschild and Sons Yes, you skeptical souls Who sold us short We're superior agents High in the fiscal sky is a newly risen star. There's another firm in the firmament. Rothschild and Son. <laughs> Who stands ready to satisfy an expanding clientele? Servants of a prince and a king so far. Rothschild and Son. Who's at home in the gilded halls where the reigning blue bloods dwell? of a firm whose initials are Rothschild and Sons. We're superior agents. We're superior courts. The court international finance is our point. Say hello to a bright new world, to a bleak one. Say farewell. Look who's making loans to the Danish crown. Look who gave a shove and a walk and a Look who's making loans. Child and Sons! Senior Moments will be right back with our guest author, Fran Hawthorne, in a few moments. This is Senior Moments on 88.1 FM and WCWP.org. Stu and Nina are back with Senior Moments and our guest, Fran Hawthorne. Now, we started to discuss her new book, The Heirs, and I very much want to go back to that. So you were saying um, that it is a storyline that is based based on the Holocaust or not necessarily includes referencing the Holocaust? Um, Yeah. In between those two. Um, so the basic storyline, and I am terrible at summarizing this, the basic storyline is there is a, a woman, Rose Ritter, who is now uh, 72, who has never talked about how she survived the Holocaust oh. in Poland. It's now fall of 1999 in New Jersey, and she showed up in America in 1948, has never talked about it. But um, And her daughter, Eleanor, has been pushed her and pushed her to talk. Um, but now, as the book opens, she falls down, breaks her hip, and she starts talking in Polish. Mm. And Eleanor starts pushing her to talk more. Um, at the same time, uh, Eleanor has a son who's nine years old. And on his soccer team, as the year begins in September, there is another little boy whose parents are Polish Catholics who were born and raised in Ooh. Poland. And Eleanor... Uh, gets uh, almost against her will this this obsession with finding out against uh, about this Polish Catholic family and pushing her own mother to talk. The question that so many um, American Jews of uh, your generation and my generation, um, uh, which are two different generations, I, I want to say that so we see this goes beyond right. people who were living during World War II. Um, Almost against our wills, as I said, sort of ask, which is when we see someone whose parents or grandparents would have been in Germany or Poland or Ukraine or Lithuania who are not Jewish, this this question of 
what did your family do to my family back then? Mm. And it's a question that I feel half guilty for thinking. Uh, it's not fair to the people who weren't even born then. Uh, but it's a real question. And it's also a question we're seeing coming more and more between, let's say, um, African-Americans and whites from the South, who, of course, nobody yeah. is alive today who was an adult in Jim Crow, let alone the slavery days, um, who can be at all held responsible for what happened in the right. worst of the times. And yet they are coming to grips also with what did your ancestors do to my ancestors? Mm -hmm. Not that many years ago. Wow. So because this is a uh, novel so much based on generations and history, that's why I, I hope it would be of interest to your listeners. Oh, it would, I tell you, it's certainly of interest to me. Oh, it absolutely sounds gripping. Thank you. It Thank really you. does. It sounds Is very, it based very powerful. On any real truths? Or? Of course, the greater truths of the world. Yeah. Yes. In terms of my family, um, it is not my family story, but uh, my dad, as a kid, uh, he got out of Poland with his parents and his sisters in November 1937, mm -hmm. which is less than two years yeah. before Hitler invaded. So that's cutting it close because my grandmother was a very smart and very pushy woman. She dragged that family out. Uh, there were other relatives who did not survive. We've traced them. They were murdered at the uh, uh, concentration camp at Helmno. So as I've told from the book, that book's basic story is not my family story. Mm. Um, but the milieu, the, uh, the growing up knowing that you had relatives yeah. in Poland in the Holocaust, that's certainly part of my mindset. And that it comes you know, into the book. And there are some family anecdotes that I changed, but included in yes. scenes in the book. And many names. I, I try to honor a lot of family members oh, through the names yeah. as well. In your you research, did you visit any of these parts of the world? Um, I was so lucky. Um, my cousins, who are co-rabbis uh, at a temple upstate, they were organizing a trip to Eastern Europe, uh, Czech Republic, um, Poland, and Hungary. So I went on it, and we, my cousins and I stayed an extra day in Poland, and we hired a tour guide. And we went to the house where our grandmother, <gasps> the apartment building where our grandmother Whoa. lived, uh, the site of it was the, still there. The, that apartment building was still there. Where our great grandmother was, it's the first floor is only there, and she was on the second floor. And then we went to the house where my father and my aunt lived as kids, and the school that my dad went to. Wow! It was an amazing, amazing. It had trip. to have been. Was your father alive at the time? No, at this point, um, this was um, what three years ago. No, he was he was not alive. Yeah, but he had gone back previously with my mother. For her, it wasn't a back. Yeah. She was born in the U.S. But he and my mother had gone and again retraced a lot of this and yeah. the same houses. Yeah. Now it's interesting when you just said how uh, the fact that you lost family members, of course, informed your uh, I don't know what to call it your your it's creative. Been, uh, your, your well, some force. of the background for the yeah, yeah creative okay. force. Yeah. Uh, I always, I went through, I have gone through, I am now 79 years old, and I have gone through my whole life assuming that we never lost anybody in the Holocaust. And I was so uh, grateful for that. No, but, but through Ancestry.com, and I'm sitting here and the hairs on my arms are standing up, through Ancestry.com, our son found on my husband's side relatives who dispersed during the diaspora, ended up in Germany, in England, in Australia, in, all over. And yes, some of them were slaughtered in the Holocaust. And I personalized that. And it still brings me to tears. So this book will really have a lot of meaning for me. Right. We have a music break here. Here's Harry Connick singing I Could Write a Book. I could write a book 
about the way you walk and whisper and look. I could write a preface on how we met, so the world would never forget. And the simple secret of the part is just to tell them that I love you a lot. Then the world discovers as my book ends how to make two lovers a friends. Is just to tell them that I love you a lot. Then the world discovers as my book ends how to make two lovers a friend. to say Harry Connick really does justice to this song. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you, Dale. A little shout out there. Yes, now Dale yeah. Zerbrick is the person who picks our music. He's our music coordinator for Senior Moments. We have our own music coordinator. <laughs> And he is a really a musicologist. So. Yes, and yeah, he's got a lot and, of fascinating... So we never have yeah. any problem with his choices. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, getting back to the airs, one theme which is implicit in the title is the idea of passing on family stories. You said that the novel was partly inspired by your, your father's history, how he and his immediate family managed to get out of Poland in November 1937. So tell me, are there any, the, the, the smaller little, I'll call them Beispiels, little <laughs> side stories, uh, anecdotes... That, that you have also incorporated or want to speak about. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I talked to uh, my aunt and, and my cousin who had talked a lot to our grandmother. And uh, I'll give you one example. Uh, so my, my grandfather was one of like two doctors in their town. So they were big mockers, yeah. right? So they got invited to some town ball and um, no one was asking my grandmother to dance. So finally, I can't remember whether it was the mayor or the police chief asked her to dance. And uh, the next day in the town newspaper, this man was uh, described as a Jew lover (gasps) for asking her to dance. And so there's an anecdote in my book, I turned that a little bit, wherein there's a a doctor who's not Jewish who treats... uh, So so the main, main character, Rose, who is the Holocaust survivor... And when she's a little girl before the war, this doctor treats uh, her little sister. And the next day, uh, there's a list posted in the town of Jew lovers and the doctor's name is on that. that. So I changed the anecdote, but it comes from enough truth that uh, I felt saying this is something that well could have happened. And it was like a somewhat of a tribute to my grandmother. This was at the time where the star David was... No, this is before the Nazis invaded. That's kind of my point, um, that there was so much anti-Semitism. They didn't need Hitler to bring anti-Semitism to Poland. Having said that, in fairness, there were so many, many Polish Catholics who, at the risk of their own lives, saved the Jews during the Holocaust. If you go to Yad Vashem, the the Holocaust Museum in Israel— and there's a list of of non-Jews, the righteous. The righteous, And and there are more of them— from Poland, 
than any other single country because there were more Jews in Poland than any other yeah. country in Europe yeah. except Russia. I mean, so it's a mixed bag. Is my well, point. let's also not forget that it was not only Jews who were slaughtered. It was many, many Pol- many, many Catholics, Polish Catholics, the gypsies. Homosexuals, I mean, yeah. I mean, homosexuals. Also, yeah, also oh. when the uh, Germans came in to Poland, they rounded up the Jews and they rounded up any uh, Polish Catholic who might be seen as a challenge. Uh, yes. The mayors, the principals of the schools, Ooh. the you know, intelligentsia, the leaders. Exactly. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, they, uh, a lot of people suffered. Oh, Without a doubt, without a doubt. A lot of people think about when they're in their 20 or 30 years switching their careers. Have you thought of changing your career? Well, I mean, I did. You know, um, I, I got, as I said earlier, sidetracked into journalism, which was a wonderful career for me for many years. Then I switched to nonfiction books. No, when, but I, when you were in college, what were you studying? Oh, I was studying English, English because I thought I would make my living as an English teacher while I wrote my novels. Ah. Even though, by the way, I never wanted to be a teacher. I would have been a terrible teacher. I admire <laughs> teachers so much. They have qualities I don't have, such as patience. <laughs> um, yes. You know, such the ability to stand in front of a room full of screaming kids for eight hours and not swear. Are you kidding? And that's sainthood, you know. Um, or imagine teaching a six-year-old to read. It just boggles the mind. Anyway, so I, I just thought I would have to be an English teacher to earn a living. And I'm, the world is so, so much better off that I never became a teacher. Really. <laughs> so I career switched in, in, in college to journalism. And then about um, five years ago, I said, it's about time I fulfilled my childhood dream of being a novelist. You know, yeah. enough already. I love journalism. I'm tired of it. If I'm not going to do it now, then when? And uh-huh. so, how I did long it. did this novel germinate in your background? <laughs> oh gosh! Oh, that's an embarrassing question. Um, I first got the idea for this novel when my son was in first grade, and there was indeed a little boy in his class whose parents were Polish Catholic. Oh, that right? Yes. Born and raised in Poland, and I, my son was not particularly friendly with this boy. I never really talked to these people, so. All the part in the novel where the, Eleanor, the, the main character, has her son have this friend in his soccer team and she starts talking to the Polish parents. That's fiction. I never did that. But the idea of, of meeting this other little yes. boy whose parents were from Poland, I got that when my son was in first grade. My son uh, just turned 24. Oh, my. So, <laughs> so it's, that's yes. why I said so, it's an embarrassing. It's, uh, I haven't been writing the book that a, long. A few months. <laughs> I, no, no, no. I started writing the book about five years ago. Uh, yes. Went through many drafts. Um, Oh, aside, we're we're going to have to talk one. about that when we come back. I, know, I haven't been writing the book for five years also because, for one thing, it was accepted for publication by uh, Stephen F. Austin State University Press a year and a half ago. Um, although I kept revising it after that. But I did. I, I wrote a number of drafts. I put it aside. I did another book. You know, See, so I haven't been writing it for five years it, is well, what I'm trying to say. We have uh, another music break here, and this is Barry Manilow singing... I write the songs. Oh. <laughs> I mean, what else would he do? What else would he do? <laughs> Now 
Senior Moments will be right back with author Fran Hawthorne. This is Senior Moments on 88.1 FM and WCWP.org. Senior Moments with Nina and Stu is back and we are interviewing Fran Hawthorne and discussing her recently published book, the heirs. Now, there is that the book has so much rich detail about Polish food and customs, as oh, well I as didn't read that part. I you, well, that's what that. always gets me: the food and customs, of course. Okay, as well as life in Poland before and during World War II, and also about France during the war. So tell me, I'm eager to find out how you did your research, all of that. Okay, I'll first tell you about the food. Um, (laughs) How did you research the food? (laughs) True, truly. I am lucky enough to live in Brooklyn, and there is a whole Polish neighborhood in Greenpoint. Perfect. And I spent a lovely afternoon... I just had to go bakeries, many different bakeries, and try many desserts. And you're so thin. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, no, listen. And how about bread? I I had, and so you'll find in the book when Rose, who is the Holocaust survivor in New Jersey, she talks about her mother's cooking, and she describes her cheesecake, and she describes um, the uh, pierniki. Oh, anyway, all these uh, things her mother made. And uh, so I tasted them all, and I I even... This is the kind of research I did. (laughs) There's one point where a certain kind of cake is stale, and I cut this piece, a little piece, you know, in half, and I tried making it stale in many ways. Did it have to be totally uncovered for how many days? days. <gasps> and I had to keep tasting it to make sure it was stale. Yeah, yeah that was another. That's interesting. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. That's Just, a form yeah, of research that's a form. That I definitely. Even, I didn't even think of. Yeah, I know. More seriously, but, um, you know, because it's, this is a serious novel about coming to terms with the Holocaust and, and, Polish neighbors, Polish Jewish, Polish Catholic neighbors coming yeah. to terms with it. So, in more seriously, um, I did a lot. Um, we talked a little earlier about how I was lucky enough to go on a trip to Poland. Yes, you know where my dad was born, and in preparation for the trip, uh, my cousins who led the trip, who are rabbis, put together a lengthy reading list, and oh. it was marvelous—a lot of nonfiction, some fiction that I read. I also um, interviewed uh, my aunt. And my cousin, who had talked at length with my grandmother. So Do you have, have this on tape? No. I, oh, it's funny. Okay. I, um, You know, my aunt was sort of visiting and chatting. And she was thrilled to talk because she felt no one had ever asked her about her childhood in Poland. And then I would leave her house and start scribbling down everything I remembered. Uh, yeah. I wasn't going to do anything formal with my aunt, who had a heart attack. It was, you know, uh, yeah. uh, in her 80s. Um and uh, also, um, a friend of mine is a survivor, and she connected me with a, a group of Holocaust survivors in Poland and, uh, and in Brooklyn. And I interviewed a couple of them, and then I did take notes, I mean, copious notes. Um, and Were these people very willing to give you the answers, or yeah. they, did you have to squeeze it out of them? This one woman, lovely woman, I went to her apartment. She talked at great length. Another man was a little more reluctant, uh, but he talked. I mean, they knew why I was doing it for this novel. They knew a, the basic plot of the novel. Did they ask for remuneration? Oh, no. Oh, I mean, that... I, I wouldn't have occurred to me. I, I mean, no. <laughs> I think maybe um, the one woman gave me tea. That's the other way around. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and they are in the acknowledgments. If you go to the back of the book, there are a number of names. Um of people, um, and they are acknowledged as, as telling yeah. me their stories. Um, and, I mean, oh, another thing. Of course, I went to the, the U.S. Holocaust Museum in Washington and New York and the Center for Jewish History in New York. But also, online, there are these um, Yizkor books. In many towns in Poland and elsewhere, the survivors 
just collected sort of oral histories of their memories um, before the war and during after. And these books were written mostly in Yiddish, but some of them have been translated. So you can find them online. So I read several of those. Um, Do you speak Yiddish? uh, No. uh, uh, Just, you know, the few words, you know, Shlemiel, the ones everyone knows. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, no. But I did, um, I have a friend who's an expert in Yiddish, and I did check the Yiddishisms that are used in the book, I checked with him. Good. And uh, the French that's used, um, I checked with the, uh, uh, I have a French conversation group I go oh. to, and I checked with the leader of that. Oh, yeah, I also had to go to the library and do research on um, Vichy France. And, oh, of I mean, course, yes. Let me just tell you the kind of research I did. Yes. Which arm did SS troopers have their swastika armband on? The... Left. Oh. Okay, you're you're correct, but I googled that to but make sure, yeah. I, because they're probably most of them are right-handed, and they yeah, because I yeah, they, yeah yeah. Anyway, yes. So I'll, that comes know. to me from movies. Uh well, I wouldn't have trusted my memory. I did see some amazing movies, such as Ida, which won the Academy Award for Foreign Film a few years ago. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah, we were just saying that Stu and I had seen on Netflix two Holocaust-related movies that were brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Uh, one was called Playing for Time. Took place in a concentration camp in a woman's... Redgrave. And Lynn wonderful. Redgrave, all of them, were yes. phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. And the it other was such one a powerful was Remember? Remembering with Christopher Plummer, who plays a gentleman with Alzheimer's, who goes on, leaves his assisted living home goes all by himself with his little cosmetics bag filled with, I don't know, what his pills, and off he goes on a trek to find four of these four names, He wanting, wanting to find out which one was the commandant or the SS officer who killed his family in, in, uh, in Auschwitz. In Auschwitz. Wow. So, yeah, yeah, two, yeah. You're wow, to, I have to, I have to yeah. definitely see those and so, add them. Yeah, so that's what I relate with. That's why I know yeah. where the swastika was. Wow. <laughs> uh, yeah, so no, please, more research. You oh, were telling I mean, me more research. More, well, I'll, I'll give you one other example, um, and that is I am lucky. Uh, I write book reviews, as I think one of you mentioned. Yeah. And that gives me access to the online uh, catalogs of upcoming books. So anytime I'd see a book that was Holocaust-related, I would try to grab it if it wasn't already spoken for. And, and I reviewed it. I would read it and write reviews. So I got a lot. I have a widespread um, way of finding out what books are out there. So that helps, too. Yeah. I mean, I, and, and what I've done on my website, in fact, is there's a list of background reading and movies. So after uh, I see your two movies, I'll, I'll yeah, have to add yeah, them. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sp- yes, especially Playing for Time, Whoa, which is, as I said, an old one. Oh, my goodness. But uh, let's go back to when you said that basically you wanted to become an English teacher only to support yourself because writers don't. I mean, hey, you know, it's very rare that there's going to be a Stephen King who who cranks out, I don't know how many or books Patterson every five minutes. Right, right. Very rare. So you really uh, has, have to have some other form of earning a living. Yeah, and I think Patterson cheated this time. He has with Bill- a former president. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> with him. I know. Uh, I the know. president is missing. The, I just finished that. It's very well. Good. Yeah, it was, it was very. It moved. It moved. Yeah. Um, but I think we have a song. Do we not yes, have a song do. that kind of fits with earning a living? Well, yeah, <laughs> it has to do with that. Of course, money makes the world go round from cabaret. <laughs> money. Money makes the world go round, the world go round, the world go round. Money makes the world go round, it makes the world go round. A mark a yen, a buck or a pound, a buck or a pound, a buck or a pound. Is all that makes the world go round, that clinking, clanking sound can make the world go round. Money, 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 If you happen to be rich and you feel you have nice entertainment, you can pay for a gay escapade. If you happen to be rich and alone and you need a companion, you can ring, ding-a-ling for the maid. If you happen to be rich and you find you are left by your lover, so you mourn and you grow got a lot. You can take it on the chin, go like a cab and begin to recover on your 14-carat yacht. 
That was Joel Gray in Cabaret, which, of course, takes place in Berlin prior to World War II, showing you the the advancement or the coming of Nazism, etc. So, yes, so this was very good choice. Good choice. Um, You've got to tell us how we can go about Finding you on the web and if you and have a, connecting uh, with you. If you have a, a paragraph or two that tells the people exactly what you want them to know to, to purchase your book. <laughs> well, thank you. Uh, <laughs> yes. Okay, sure. My book is called The Heirs, H-E-I-R-S, like people who inherit, not the air yeah. we breathe. I have to keep saying that. I, why did I ever call it that title? I don't know. Anyway, and and then because other books have that title, you need to find it under my name, right. which is Fran Hawthorne, H-A-W-T-H-O-R-N-E. Okay. So, um, of course, it's on Amazon, both in uh, paperback and uh, Kindle. It's also on uh, barnesandnoble.com, bn.com. Uh, some libraries and bookstores have it kind of depends where you live but your bookstore can order it uh that's another thing i love to support local bookstores yeah um and so then they need to know the publisher which is uh well they need to know the distributor which is texas a and m consortium Mm. okay because the publisher like many university presses they they kind of all merge together with one big distributor so it's a lot to remember i'll say it again the Heirs, H-E-I-R-S, by Fran Hawthorne. Amazon, BN.com, and your bookstore can order it from Texas A&M um, distributors. And, um, oh, and my website. Hey, I'd love to hear right. from you. There is a way to contact me. And also, so my website is HawthorneWriter.com. H-A-W-T-H-O-R-N-E-W-R-I-T-E-R. I know I don't make it simple. I'm sorry. But it's my last <laughs> name you, and then the word writer, like website. someone who writes, dot com. And see, if you go there, you will see pictures of my dad as a little boy in Poland oh. and the house and my grandparents. I got some wonderful pictures and pictures of me visiting Poland. So say um, the website again. Sure. www.hawthornwriter.com. H-A-W-T-H-O-R-N-E-W-R-I-T-E-R. Also, if you Google my name, I think my website is one of the first things that comes up. So you can also find me that way. And um, 
Uh, it's on my website. Um, like these great old pictures yeah. and a lot about the book, a summary of the book, some book reviews. Uh, Good. You know, that were very nice, <laughs> of course, about the book. Um, there's a, a Q&A I did with the fiction editor of Lilith magazine. So you can learn a lot. And then, as I mentioned earlier, the list of books. Background reading, Background other books, reading, which I'm interested in. Yeah, yeah, other books about the Holocaust in Poland, and um, so That's, thank you again. Oh no, we thank you. It has been absolutely wonderful, Fran Hawthorne. Yeah, it's it was a it was a pleasure, uh, and of course we thank Chris, our engineer, who as always does a, a wonderful job for us, and Dale Zerbrick, our musical consultant. So, there we go. Close the show with How to Succeed in Business. Ah. How to apply for a job. How to advance from the mailroom. How to sit down at a desk. How to dictate memorandums. How to develop executive style. How to commute in a three button suit. With that weary executive smile This book is all that I need How to, how to succeed Is all that I need How to, how to succeed How to choose the right company Before applying for a job Make sure you have chosen the right company It is essential that the company be a big one It should be at least big enough So that nobody knows exactly what anyone else is doing How to observe personnel Select whom to lunch with How to Avoid petty friends How to Begin making contacts How to Walk into a conference room With an idea This is Senior Moments on 88.1 FM and WCWP.org. This is Nina and Stuart Held saying, before Senior Moments signs off for today, please remember... Youth is a gift of nature, but age is a work of art. The Glencoe Senior Center's website is one word, GlencoeSeniorCenter.com. Thank you for listening. See you on the radio next Tuesday.